0: Hi, everyone. I'm Gary Knoll. Nice to have you with us today. We begin our program with a study from the Medical University of South Carolina. And they're talking about an herb, an herb that's well-known throughout the world, but not here in the United States. And you may want to consider putting this in your medical armamentarium. It's called Boswellia, B-O-S-W-E-L-L-I-A. It's an extract of frankincense, and it shows anti-cancer activities. The extract of the plant used in traditional medicine for centuries has shown anti-proliferative effects against breast cancer in this uh, small early-stage clinical trial. There are thousands of different ways that we have opportunities to prevent illness, and more than what we've been given, to help treat it, to stop it, to build up our immune system. This is just one more of these. One more piece to the puzzle of life. And by the way, Boswellia has been used in traditional medicine for thousands of years, and uh, if not tens of thousands. And uh, it was a valuable you know, substance, in fact, as valuable as gold. And it was used to treat cancer as well as other diseases. Now, from Pas- uh, Poznan... University of Medical Science in Poland, the effects of resveratrol, that's what you get when you eat grapes or drink grape juice, on polycystic ovary syndrome. This was a double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled trial. And by the way, PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, is the most common uh, type of of condition affecting women of reproductive age. And... uh, it is the central feature of this particular condition that you have an imbalance in your hormones. And the studies on isolated ovarian theca intertestial cells suggest that resveratrol, a natural polyphenol, reduces androgen production. The study was designed to evaluate endocrine and metabolic effects of resveratrol on PCOS. And what was good was that it was a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled trial. That's the gold standard. Women took this for three months at an academic hospital. They give 1,500, that's 1,500 milligrams or 1.5 grams, versus a placebo each day. And the primary outcome was the change in serum total. By the way, resveratrol has been used for a lot of conditions, but in this case, there was a 22% decrease in the fasting insulin levels by 31% and an increase of the insulin sensitivity index by 66%. A whole lot of good went on with the, uh, with the hormones. Resveratrol significantly reduced ovarian and, and adrenal androgens. And that is important. So, another study, and I, I realize some of these are a little scientific, but they're all coming from the National Library of Medicine. I'm trying to break them down in, into as much lay language as possible, because if you read the actual studies, uh, you would be very hard put to understand them. This study is from the Neurology and Neurophysiology Center in Vienna, Austria. And it's about the neurological adverse reactions to the SARS-2 vaccines especially, according to this study in a major peer-reviewed journal, the effect on the central or peripheral nervous system. Now, the vaccines are not free of side effects and most commonly affect the central and peripheral nervous system. This narrative review aims to summarize recent advances in the nature, frequency, management, and outcome of neurological side effects from the SARS vaccines. And uh, there were... Disorders of the nervous system triggered by the vaccines, including headaches, cerebrovascular disorders like venous sinus thrombosis, ischemic strokes, uh, intracellular hemorrhage, uh, reversibles, um, sometimes in cerebral vasoconstriction syndrome, vasculitis, pituitary apoplexy. I mean, these are all from the vaccine. Meningitis, demyelinating disorders, transverse myelitis, epilepsy, a number of other rarely reported conditions. So, just want to put this out. This is from a major peer-reviewed journal. Also, I I should add in the Guillain-Barré syndrome, or what is called GBS, and uh, and the most common neurological side effects are facial palsy, intracerebral hemorrhage, and that can kill you. The underlying pathophysiology is poorly understood, but several speculations have been generated to explain the development of this after the vaccines. In conclusion, neurological side effects develop with any type of SARS-2 vaccine and are diverse and can be serious, even fatal, and should be taken seriously to initiate early treatment to improve outcomes and avoid fatalities. Now, go back about six months ago. Six months ago, I had a whole week special on what to do if you've been infected by SARS or you've had adverse reactions to vaccines. The people in the study all have great experience, all regular pro-vaccine orthodox medicine doctors and scientists, and they showed all the different ways that we can reverse the spike protein toxicity, help limit the, and eliminate the, uh, the self-organizing nanoparticles that end up making those like rubber band uh, congestions in our arteries and veins, which can cause stroke and heart attack. And I hope that you paid attention, I hope you downloaded it, and I hope you use it. Our new study comes from Buck Institute for Research on Aging. And the scientists identified how dietary restriction... That's the key here. Restriction slows brain aging and increases your lifespan. Well, that's good news. You bet it is. What I'm talking about is restricting calories is known to improve health and increase lifespan. But much of how it does has remained a mystery, especially in regard to how it protects the brain. But the Buck Institute for Research on Aging found that their scientists have uncovered a role of a gene called OXR1 that is necessary for the lifespan extension seen with dietary restrictions and is essential for healthy brain aging. Here's what they said. When people restrict the amount of food that they eat, they typically think it might affect their digestive tract or fat buildup, but not necessarily about how it affects the brain as it turns out, this is a gene that is important in the brain. The team additionally d- demonstrated a detailed cellular mechanism on how dietary restriction can delay aging and slow the progression of neurodegenerative diseases. The work done in fruit flies and human cells also identifies potential therapeutic targets to slow aging and age-related neurodegenerative diseases. Uh, they found that the neuron-specific response that mediates the neuroprotection of dietary restriction and uh, strategies such as intermittent fasting or calorie restriction, which limit nutrients, can enhance the level of this gene and mediate its protective effects. So that might have been a little complicated. So let me break it down even more, make it simpler. But I'm not talking about fruit flies here or live cells. I'm talking about human beings, and this is based upon my research I did in the early 1970s. In fact, I was the first scientist in the United States in our history to fast rats, intermittent fasting, and prove that they could live 22 to 26% longer lifespans. I then did it again, and then a third time, over a three-year period. All three studies showed the same outcome. And that's one of the hallmarks of science, reproducibility. Then I turned it over to Dr. Berman at the Institute of Applied Biology, and he did it again for two years and came up with the same results. So then I started doing it in humans, and I I got a call from a a Dr. Fox in New York City, psychiatrist, and he had heard about my research and wanted more. And he spent a week in my office and then over at the laboratory at night Talking about fasting, and want to know did he? I think, you know, just a hypothesis it might help people with depression and anxiety and other mental conditions that he was working on as a psychiatrist. I said, "There's no reason to believe that it wouldn't." So why don't you try it? And indeed, over a period of six months, I gave him a protocol, and he tried it, and it worked. He had major improvements. In people's clinical symptoms of depression, anxiety, uh, apathy, withdrawal into a state of uh, non-conformant to your own needs, like don't shave, don't bathe, all this was changed. But then when I look carefully at these people's diets prior to and during the therapy, they were all junk diets, lots of sugar, comfort foods. One person just lived on pizzas. I mean, all the time, every day. Pizzas and colas. So needless to say, cleaning up the diet with the fasting, then introducing a detoxification protocol, he saw complete recovery in many of those. He went on to write a book. I don't think he mentioned me in the book, unfortunately, but hey, that happens. And, uh, But at least it worked. I was doing the same thing in all the people I was working with, and I saw remarkable improvements. And then I asked for a meeting, and I gave them all three weeks' notice on a day when they wouldn't likely be working, a Sunday, and indeed about 95% of the physicians who called themselves holistic or alternative or complementary showed up. And Robert Atkins, uh, Giller, uh, Stuart Burgett, they all were there, Rosenberg. And uh, I laid out an idea for them, and the idea was this. From what I understand, from talking with you one-on-one, each one of you, and working with you and having you on my radio show, none of you have a background in nutrition or public health. So I hope that you're open, because I do. None of you are registered dietitians. I am. None of you have a degree in nutrition. I have two, including a doctorate. So why don't we do this? I've printed out here a 60 pages of protocols on how to detoxify a person, pass them intermittently, and change the nature of the calories. Now this study I just reported on, it didn't count the quality of the calories. It didn't measure that. It was just calories, and they're wrong. They're only half right. Restricting calories beyond what your body needs, yes, That'll improve your lifespan. But then substituting the junk food for healthy living food, that's what really kicks in, extends the telomeres, uh, creates a better enzyme reaction in the body, greater glutathione levels in your liver for detoxification, uh, the green chlorophyll like wheatgrass and the green vegetables and and spirulina and chlorella and the juicing, that gives you a lot more. I had to actually explain to these doctors that when you eat a meal, depending upon the components of the meal, uh, only a small percentage of the actual nutrients are absorbed and used by the cells, because most of it's locked into the fibrous material. And if you have a high-fat diet, your whole intestine slowed down, and the food is way too long, especially with Atkins' diet uh, at that time, and We had a conversation on this. I said, How long do you think it takes for a normal person's body to digest in a lemonade the protein from a meat-based diet? They had no idea. And then I gave them studies I'd actually done when I had put people on and they would time themselves when they would eat and when they would go to the bathroom, and till how frequently they were moving. And uh There's a tremendous difference, and the best of all is when you incorporate juices, live, healthy, fresh-made juices into the diet, because then you're getting 100% of the nutrients, where if you eat a piece of celery, you're maybe getting 10%. The rest is in the Lego cellulose, goes right all the body. So I developed this whole concept, and I shared it with all of them, and then by extension, I shared it with Hal Huggins, the first really holistic dentist, and uh, spread it everywhere I could over the next 10 years. So I'm trying to share three notions with you. Number one, limit the total number of calories coming into your body each day to what your body actually needs. Number two, limit the quality of the food from which those calories are going to be given to the body. For example, a potato chip, a french fry, a piece of bread, a piece of toast, bacon, a hamburger... All of those are poor sources of calories, where whole grains, legumes, pulses, beans, black beans, navy beans, kidney beans, um, uh, uh, cassava beans, all of these, I wouldn't say cassava, I would say lima is one of your single best beans, and of course soybeans, organic, are the best of all the beans, highest amount of protein. So when you take that as a source of calories, You're getting fewer calories, but you're getting healthier calories. Then at the same time, have your first meal in the morning, whenever you get up, but then don't have your second meal for at least five hours. And then have your last meal probably five hours after that, around five, six o'clock, certainly ideally no later than seven, and then don't have another food input until Breakfast next morning, let's say 12 hours later. Ideally, 15 hours overnight is your best. Then, every month, take two days, like a Saturday and a Sunday, and do a juice fast where you'll have smoothies throughout the day. So, you'll still get your protein, your amino acids, but in liquid form. And you can get your berries and your polyphenols, throw them all in a blender, and put some, you know, you can put some uh, powder in of different types of vegetables, and oils, you know, your essential oils, your essential fatty acids, like flaxseed oil, hemp oil, olive oil, and that's what you do for two days. Now then you're really restricting your caloric input. You're giving your digestive system a chance to cleanse itself and uh, rebuild. And then put your probiotics in there, so you're recolonizing good bacteria in your gut and watch what that does. Now, how do I know this works? Because for the first time in science, in the most multidisciplinary study ever done, with humans on campus, down in Texas, for two weeks, we had people on strict diet, everything I just said they were doing, plus all the special supplements, plus exercising, meditating, green time, and then dealing with journaling, and important self-empowerment lectures throughout the day. Then they followed that same protocol at home, at least most of them did, for the next three months. And then we got a blood workup that shows all the things that changed in their blood, but then we also got a major university's anti-aging blood workup, what is called a DNA methylation test that actually tells you how old every cell in your body is and how long you should live. Now, that part, they didn't want to know That's was a little scary, right? What if it said, "You whiz, you're, you're time to die? Oh, no. So what we did is we actually proved, and you should have been on the conference call. There were, I think, 10 to 12 scientists on the conference call. And one of the leading foundational advocates in all the world on anti-aging, who sponsors all these very complex studies on stem cells, etc., said... This is the most important anti-aging study ever done. And we published it recently in a period journal. Well, now we did a separate study learning what went wrong with the first one, with people not, advocate, people not keeping to the protocols when they went home. And now we have all the results in, and they're even better. So the people's cells got younger. We rejuvenated tissue. People's memory improved, their energy improved, their libido improved, their hair started to grow. Look at my hair, right? <laughs> I just get out of the shower, I run my hands through it, let it dry naturally. I mean, look at it, look at the skin. There's no, look, I'm in front of all these Kluge lights and high-definition camera that's only a few feet from my face. Nothing hidden. Fingernails, toenails, that are hard, shiny, pink, meaning they're, they're healthy. Good circulation in the extremities and the muscle mass. Very little fat. On all the people, it worked. So, what I'm sharing now is for those people who are not going to go through that kind of protocol. Don't want to. and But they want to get better. Okay, most people do. I mean, ask the average person. Be honest. If you could be without your arthritis pain or your muscle pain or your headaches or indigestion or bloating and gas and it required just a little bit of work, would you want to? Probably half would say, no, I'm not going to change anything. I never have, I'm never going to. I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican. I've got my mind made up and that's it. Fine, that's your freedom of choice. I respect your right to that choice. But understand, as adamant as you may be, is determined not to change, there will always be a bad outcome always. You won't live the same life. You won't have the same friendships. You won't live as long because your body's going to go downhill. And once you hit 40, it goes down here very fast. So think about just doing what I suggested now and see if you don't feel better. If you don't feel better, if you don't see change, then just go back to the old ways. But if you do, maybe use this as the first step and say, well, if Gary, help me get over this, my arthritis pain I don't have, why don't I try a second step? And then maybe a third. And then maybe about the 40th step, you realize, hey, this really works. Quick story before we end. Now, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do it as a classroom on the air. I hope you're going to, uh, every day, I do, I film but what I'm doing now. I stream it, film it a video, sometimes short, sometimes longer, some will go an hour, some will go 10 minutes, and it's called A Classroom on the Air. And it's on YouTube, Gary and all YouTube, and then you'll see all these classrooms on the air. You'll see a lot of other thousands of tapes. And by the way, we've had to take down probably several thousand of my videos because we were told, as everyone out there was told, if anyone at Facebook determines anything that you've said about health is to their not liking, then they'll take you off the air completely. And we already know how biased they are. Even all the information I share comes from peer-reviewed journals. It doesn't matter. When you're biased, you don't give a damn about the truth. You care about your bias. So that's why we've taken those down. But the class one, the airs. I'm leaving up. So I'm gonna give you a really interesting example of what happened in a group of very important people that I've never talked about, never told you this story, and it started way back when I first came to New York City, but that'll come after this, because we're going to take a break now and come back to our program. Please stay with us. And welcome back, everyone. I'm Gary Knoll. I'm hopeful that you will find some of the information I'm about to share of interest enough to call in and give us your perspective and point of view. I appreciate your opinion. Please share it at 888- 874-4888. Eight seven four four eight eight eight. Right now, there are a couple of issues that really have our attention: the economy, if you're the average working-class person, and even students who are going to school. And let's just assume for the moment they're not there to party and socialize, but they're there to really to learn to become gifted and skilled enough that they can get a good-quality job, a living-wage job when they get out of college, because they're going to have the debt unless their parents pay it off. But for the average person, their parents don't have the money to pay it off. They can't even pay their own debt off. So, I'm concerned about the economy. I intend to do a lot of programs on it, and how to prepare for some of the coming challenges that we're all going to face. Now, depending upon where you live in the world, depending upon your financial circumstances, uh, depending upon your health and the support system you have in your life, will be how you deal with these or not. But these are things that are inevitable, like the crash of our economy. If you're rich and powerful, you could care less. You can survive. If you're the average person, you won't be able to survive. And we're gonna see more homelessness than ever before, more home floor closures, and more of the people making more money who had been making money off all of our crisis. blackrock State Street, Berkshire Hathaway, and all they're doing is completely legal. I'm not saying it's illegal. I'm saying, in my opinion, it's unethical. But also immigration. I have always been a supporter of proper immigration. In fact, just think of all the wonderful things that these immigrants who came through Ellis Island, who came legally, and how they had to overcome a lot of adversity. That's why we had Germantown on the Upper West Side of Manhattan around uh, 86th Street. You know, that's where so many of them lived, the restaurants and their theater, or Little Chinatown, uh, Little Saigon in San Francisco, and uh, then down around the Jewish centers in the Italian, Little Italy. Those didn't become Little Italy or Chinatown uh, for no reason. That's where people went. They wanted to be around people of a like nature, same culture, same religion, same opportunities, and hopefully help one another. And they have, and that's why we became a great country, because of our multiculturalism. Today, the only reason we have the immigration policy we do, open border, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter crimes you committed, doesn't matter what your intent is, coming in the United States, come on in, because there's nothing stopping you. To the contrary, there are all these hundreds of NGOs making enormous amounts of money by being down in Central America, South America and Mexico, and facilitating how a person gets into the country and exploits it to the best they can, irrespective of what their original needs are. Okay, so what is the consequence when you just have an open border, where you have no restrictions? If you're a terrorist, come on in, because we're not going to be able to stop you. Okay, will anyone take responsibility when there's the next 9-11 type of attack? Because it's inevitable. Will anyone take responsibility for the massive amount of crime that is committed? Oh, and by the way, let's not even discuss how a group of the illegal immigrants in New York City have destroyed the businesses up and down the block of the hotel where they're staying and talk with the management of the hotel inside to see what's the hotel like with no rules. Well, it's absolute chaos and destruction. Well, what about when they go, a bunch of them go up to Bloomingdale's, go in and steal all the high-end sunglasses, and know that they can't be touched? Because if you touch a person who's trying to steal something, you could get arrested, not the person. And what about the, four, uh, the $2.4 billion that was stolen out of stores last 12 months in New York City alone? Someone's going to pay for that, or shops are going to close, people are going to go out of business, or they're going to just up the prices and make it more and more difficult. Last time I was in New York, I was staying in a hotel on the Upper West Side. And I went early one morning into a, a major drugstore on the corner to get some toiletries, some shaving cream, etc. And I saw, it's 6 o'clock in the morning, and I saw four different security people around the, And everything was behind plastic, you know, a plexiglass. I said, what's going on? He said, a lot of crime. I said, from the neighborhood? No, no. These are people coming from other neighborhoods and we can't touch them, well, then what good are you? Well, we try to, you know, talk them out of it, but we can't take it out of their hands what they're stealing, and they know that. So they just come in and take their time. They have their own shopping bags. They fill them up with everything they can. If they want, they can take a hammer and break through the barrier of whatever item they want to get and take it and walk out of the store. And that's it. But, we, you know, there's nothing else we can do. And by the way, Just yesterday, in Canada, for all of Canada, all of its provinces, there was a word put out by the government, by the police, that if you see someone in your camera, door camera, coming up and stealing and running away, you cannot post that image. Because the police are saying, because the presumption of innocence. All right? Fair enough. So you're seeing someone stealing, they're looking around, they're taking your bags and rushing off getting in a car and going off to the next house. But you can't do anything about it. So let's just apply that to New York. You're on a subway, you see a guy get up and slash a woman's face, and then when the woman subway stops, the woman gets off and still is running, he pushes her on the track and she gets killed. You cannot post that, you must assume innocence. This is insane what we're doing. But I've got a solution. And this is the solution, the only one that I think will actually work. Go ahead, let everyone in America who wants to come, no matter what their motive. But then, they're not going to have a place to stay. And now the schools are being closed down because they're putting them in schools. So, the parents, the students, and the students clearly deserve it or it wouldn't be done. I'd like to offer this. Why don't every single resident on the Upper West Side, the Upper East Side, Sutton Place, um, down in the village, voluntarily give up your apartment to a uh, one of the immigrants? Now, what they do with the apartments, their business, not yours. And if they want to do squatters' rights and keep your apartment, they can do that. And you can't say anything because then you're a racist. Isn't it the way it works? But wouldn't that be nice if all of their upper-rich, white, Caucasian females who are part of this goddamn problem took responsibility? Give your house up. Give your apartment up. And get your children out of school. Let the schools be filled with these other kids. Then you can say, I believe in equity. Yeah, you don't believe in anything. You're utter hypocrites. But that's what we're faced with. And you think it's bad? You haven't seen bad. Look at San Francisco. I just got a video this morning that a camera went up and down every major street and every single store was closed. The buildings are almost empty. The foreclosures on the commercial real estate are astronomical, exceeding $250 billion. Bankruptcies are happening. Banks will fail because they gave out all that money. New York, Manhattan, all the nice boroughs, Look at San Francisco today, because that's New York in the next 24 months under our current policy. And nothing can stop it, because it's all to buy the vote. That's all it's about. There's nothing else behind this. But these are good Democrats. Obama, he supports our open-door policy. Clinton supports our open-door policy. Oh, until they didn't. Here's both of them. And let's hear a State of the Union speech. This is only one of four I found. Here is their actual position on illegal immigration. Let's go to the clip. Not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens. In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crimes, to better identify illegal aliens in the workplace as recommended by the commission headed by former congresswoman Barbara Jordan. We are a nation of immigrants but we are also a nation of laws even as we are a nation of immigrants we're also a nation of laws undocumented workers broke our immigration laws and I believe that they must be held accountable especially those who may be dangerous when I took office I committed to fixing this broken immigration system and I began by doing what I could to secure our borders but today our immigration system is broken Okay, so that's what they all believed in until the policy was we could lose an election unless we get these illegal immigrants in and let them vote at local elections then let them vote in the other elections. Wow. And the truth is right in front of all of us. This is not the way to do immigration. There's a proper way of doing it. But we don't seem to be into doing anything proper right now. Also, we're not doing one thing that is really bad, and that is, we're not acknowledging the suffering of innocent human beings. I do not support Hamas. It's it's an organization that was created by the Israeli government to counter the Palestinian Authority and Yasser Arafat. It's supposed to control Gaza, and therefore it is controlled and influenced also by Abbas and also by Netanyahu and his government. So now they have a battle. Why are the innocents also being victimized? You have to be a real strong ideologue to accept that one series of people who were killed, that's unacceptable, but another group that are killed is is acceptable. And I'm concerned about how many have died that we don't even know. It's estimated that could be three times the 23 to 24,000 that are known dead and 12,000 children known dead. Hospitals are closed. They've been bombed. They've been warned. In fact, just this morning, they were warned, close down the hospitals. So doctors out borders and all these other NGOs that are there to help, they're to move all of the, their staff. Well, where are the injured supposed to go? There's no place to go. There's no medicines. All that's being blocked. I don't care what you label it, but this is inhumane. And they're making it possible that nothing will exist, nothing will be able to survive when they're finished with this campaign, however long it takes. And what does the world do? Nothing at all. Let's go to a clip, and who's talking? This is a very famous Israeli journalist, Gideon Levy. Now mind you, he is, He's a journalist who's highly respected, and yet what he sees, he cannot stay quiet. Listen to what he has to say in this short clip.
1: Can I just ask you, you know, to explain what, what you said yourself? There is no answer uh, for this conduct. What do you exactly mean by that?
2: By the time we will finish this interview, another baby will be killed in Gaza. By the time that you will finish your show, there will be another two women killed in Gaza how long can this last Israel had the full right to go for this campaign for this war but there must be limits and we crossed them so long time ago but above all answering your question where do we aim to what what will it be any better for Israel's security if another 20,000 Palestinians will be killed in Gaza if another half a million people will lose their homes What does this contribute for the security of Israel? We have to realize that the goals that Israel had declared are unachievable, or at least partly unachievable. And we should concentrate now
1: about creating a new reality and not killing and killing for the purpose of killing. Gideon, I want to get into that in a moment. But to answer and to illustrate what you just said about more babies more women being killed there is the latest and we have to say graphic video that's coming in from gaza today uh resulting from airstrikes uh last night um the hospital at al-aqsa there in gaza says 57 people were killed nearly 70 injured at least 10 of those were children the hospital says so the government keeps saying they're doing their best to avoid civilian death The US keeps doing a shuttle diplomacy, which seems principally aimed at minimizing civilian deaths, not only that, but also to minimize the chance of an an expanded war. But in your mind, having covered so many of these Israel-Gaza wars, what is the point, what is the purpose three months in of this, as as you put it, very heavy death toll? What is the strategic point? I doubt, I doubt very much if there is one.
2: First of all, everyone is paying its, his lip service. The Americans, the Israelis, they do their best. The Americans ask gently Israel to refrain from uh, killing civilians. But the outcome is very clear. The, it is a bloodbath. And, and you, cannot, you cannot ignore it. The only one who ignores it is Israeli media, by the way, if you let me make a remark about them. Because the Israelis are the only people in the world right now who are not exposed at all to what's going on in Gaza. Nothing. We were always laughing at the Russian TV covering the war in Ukraine. Ours is much worse because here it is voluntarily. Nobody dictates us not to show the suffer and the punishment of Gaza. And Israelis are not exposed to it. But that's just a, by the way, remark. There are goals. The prime minister had declared them, namely releasing the hostages and crashing Hamas. After three months, I can tell you we are not getting closer to both of them. I think about, about the, the, the releasing the hostages, which, from my point of view, must be in first priority and they don't go together. I think that here we are going far and far. We are much more distant now than a few weeks ago from releasing the hostages, and this should bother any person with conscience. But by the end of the day, the occupation defines Israel more than any other thing. The apartheid defines the regime of Israel more than any other thing, and we cannot continue with this blindness. Israelis are living very self-content, happy about their lives, which is, which are usually quite good, not in times of war, obviously, and they are not even curious to know what is happening half an hour away from our homes and half an hour away from our homes, even before this horrible war, there is an inhuman reality which must come to its end one day. And as long as we'll continue with this blindness, we will never get to any, any good place. We Israelis.
0: Think of it for a moment. You can be completely against Hamas. And you can be completely for Netanyahu and his radically right wing Likud party in the Knesset. But should you also turn a back on a suffering child? Right now, disease is taking a lot of lives. Dehydration, malnutrition, starvation, bacterial infections, drinking septic water, having no place to sleep. This is a normal occurrence for almost 2 million plus Palestinians who are innocent of any conflict. Shouldn't we at least care about them and set aside the politic? Sean Hannity can't. Laura Ingram can't. No one in the media, mainstream media, can set aside. It's all the way 100% supporting one side and allowing the demonization and the genocide against innocent individuals. Well, you know, that's where we're at. So why should I support any of the policies or programs that these people who cannot see the value in a sentient, human, innocent life, why should I trust what they're saying about anything else? Because how you believe in one thing is how you believe in everything. And that's what we're seeing now. Wow, it is not good. But I want to go back now to a clip about what happens when we have open borders. These are children. They're being sold right in front of our eyes here in the United States. And a whistleblower is telling the truth. This is on the Morris's Redacted. Good site, good information. Now I want you to be aware of what's happening of all those people coming across the border without anyone checking to see if they're a part of the cartel who are very smart, they're very clever, they're making billions, and everyone in the National Security Agency knows what they're doing. And yet, the average American doesn't seem to be aware of this. Here's a story you need to hear.
3: The United States is the largest trafficker of children in the world. Children that are illegally kidnapped, brought across the U.S.-Mexico border, are then sold off to mostly wealthy Americans, used as sex slaves, and worse, if you can imagine, Worse than that. It's happening, and the corporate media, of course, is largely ignoring the story for whatever reason. They refuse to touch the story, and when they do, they briefly touch it and then it disappears. You can't find links on their website, it vanishes very mysteriously when they cover these stories. Many of these kids, these children, are kept in hidden concentration camps in the United States. Yes, I said it hidden concentration camps in the United States. We showed you one of these facilities. A few months ago here on Redacted, a, a Walmart facility, a former Walmart facility in Brownsville, Texas, that is holding hundreds if not thousands of children before they are sold off. A whistleblower who worked at one of these facilities, MVM is the name of the facility, has come forward to expose all of this, Carlos Ariano, is a former U.S. immigration contractor and he joins us now. Carlos, welcome to the show and thank you for coming forward to share your story.
4: No, thank you for having me. It's, it's like you said, when it comes to child trafficking, there's so much evil behind it that people don't want to touch the story and if they do touch it, they touch it briefly. And it just goes sh- to show you how much evil there is behind it, that it holds that much power over people, that it, it k- it's kept in the dark.
3: And hopefully we can expose this story. We can shine a light on it today. So anyone watching this, hopefully you can share this story out, share it with people who can spread it around to try to put an end to this awful, awful Uh, crime against humanity that's happening in the United States and around the world. So Carlos, before we dive into some more specifics of this, can you just give us our audience a background as to what exactly you did uh, working as an immigration contractor and this company? Is it a, a government company relationship as a U.S. government contractor or was it separate from the U.S. government?
4: so the way it works is the u.s government is washing their hands keeping their hands clean by going out and handing out massive contracts to organizations that they like to call ngos non-government organizations and these ngos they will get contracts for food services for laundry services for educational services for them for the illegal immigrants Everything under the sun that you can think of, everything that we have to pay for, they will hand out $100 million contracts to give these services for free to the illegal immigrants. And the company that I work for specifically, their job is they hold the largest contract to move children around the United States of America. So my job was to move children from point A to point B and my job was to pick children up at the border and then move them to their sponsors. I've been to every state that you could that you could name. I've been there. I even been I've uh, been to North Dakota, Vermont, Florida, dropping kids off. All of them, and New York City and Florida the most popular ones. New York, New York State and Florida. And the other job that I did that was I've done this immigration work my whole life, but two main jobs that stick out the most is I ran the law, I was part of the management team. I helped ran the largest migrant hotel in New York City, the Row NYC, where I had to look over 5,000 migrants in the heart of Times Square, a block away. And my job was to, whatever these migrants wanted in New York City, whether it be spicy food, non-spicy food, or, or laundry services, we got laundry services for them. We had Uber services for them. If a migrant in New York City came to me and said, I want to go here in New York City. I want to go here in Brooklyn, but we're in Manhattan. My job was to get a Uber for them and things of that nature.
3: How were they how did they have so much power? I mean a, a migrant in New York City, was this a person responsible for the, the trafficking or were they these are people that come across the border and you were providing sort of, you know, luxuries for the, for them. Can you explain that?
4: Well, the way it works is it's separate NGOs. So the one I escorted children for and the one I worked for in New York City are two separate okay. companies. But the thing that people miss here is, for example, people think it's Governor Abbott who's sending all these people on buses to New York City. And it's not just Governor Abbott. Governor Abbott can account for like 15, 20% of the people. Because if you look at the numbers that the state of Texas provides, uh, it's about, they've busted over about 30,000 people, maybe to New York City, but New York City has about 80,000 people currently in their system. So the rest of these 50,000 people are going to NGOs like Catholic charities at the Southern border and I think Ann talked about Catholic Charities, Anne and Michael. So Catholic Charities bus tickets, airplane tickets, all on the federal taxpayer money to get these illegal immigrants from the border to New York City. So a lot of these uh, illegal immigrants are finding their way th- through federal taxpayer money from the NGOs to get around the country. But the thing is they want you to believe that it's governor abbott governor abbott is blessing people but it's nowhere near the same numbers that these federal taxpayer funded ngos are moving people across the country
3: and so the federal taxpayer funded ngos are bringing these migrants we'll get back to the children part of this in a second but for instance in new york city bringing these migrants to new york city to live in this i guess a, a hotel by the way new york city Times Square, I used to work at Fox News, one block away from where you're talking about, right there in Times Square, right there next to like a block away from major news organizations The today show all of the major media, ABC News, all of them a block away from from where this is happening and total radio silence on this. So when they're at these hotels in New York City, what are they doing? Are they children? Are they adults? And then what happens to them? So my
4: hotel was a family hotel, so I had families spread across 28 floors. So from floor one all the way up to 28th floor, it's full of illegal immigrants of of family units. But the thing is, they don't do anything all day. Uh, you talk to these people, they're not in a rush to leave, they're not in a rush to get out. So that, that's what my concern was, was me being familiar with the way these these government contracts work, I would tell these people, Hey, I'm looking out for you. If you have a family member who can help you out and wants to take you in, my advice to you is take them up on it because one day this hotel will close down and they're just going to toss you out to the street and you're not going to have anywhere to go. So please, if I'm saying this in a good way, I'm not in a bad way, I'm looking out for you, you got to go. But the thing is, these people don't take would not take me seriously because Mayor Adams had no rush to push people out. Now that it's gotten out of hand, now he's handing out 60-day notices where he's telling people, you have 60 days to find a way to get other kind of housing, and not you're going to be out in the streets. So now that he's enforcing the 60-day notice, now that's why you're seeing uh, these people out in the streets in tents and they're spilling out over to the streets on the videos where they're sleeping on the side of the road. Is because they didn't run this the right way from the beginning. And the, for example, the hotel that I worked at, why would you put people all the way up to the 28th floor? Because these migrants are not gonna be happy When the time comes to leave, and you're going to have to get the National Guard in there, and you're going to turn into a shoving match, and can you imagine them shoving each other, pushing each other, punching each other on the 28th floor? Someone's going to fall out, and it's like, why would you even do that? Why would you fill this hotel up the whole way? And it's terrible. It's terrible what's happening in New York City, and I don't see it getting any better. It's just going to keep getting worse. I see it ending up like the Paris riots out in France. That's where it's headed.
3: Well, let's get back to the children and the facility we featured here, this former Walmart facility in Brownsville, Texas. You work there, correct? So my job
4: was, I, I did work there, but my job was to take kids out of those facilities and hand, it, hand them off to sponsors across the country.
3: So when you, can so, you walk me through that process? So you're an employee, you get a, what do you get, an email? Do you get a text message that says... Carlos, uh, on Tuesday, we need you to take these children to their sponsor family in Florida. And how did, how did that process unfold? Can you explain that?
4: So, yes, we would get text messages. We would get phone calls at 7 p.m. at night, 6 p.m. at night, saying, hey, we have a trip out tomorrow. Can you make the trip? I say yes. Yes. I get, and later on in the night, I get a report time for the following mo- morning. You get a 5 a.m. report time, 4 a.m. It's always in the dark because they don't want us picking up.
0: The tape itself, the interview itself was over 32 minutes, and I've got to truncate it here. Here's what he said, and you can watch it for yourself and and confirm this, that a lot of these so-called sponsors were found out not to be blood relatives, yet everyone was told and coached that when you go into the city, you say that your uncle is going, you're going to go live with your uncle. But they couldn't even name their uncle. DNA tests showed that over 90% of the people who are supposed to be going into the United States and then the government putting them into the hands of these so-called sponsors were not biologically related. That's the organized crime. That's the cartels. So now, for example, one so-called sponsor had over 60 children. And then you were supposed to get identification and... And so the person shows up, like this guy shows up with a young girl, let's say 12-year-old girl, and the sponsor says, yeah, uh, that's going to be the person I have to take care of. Uh, do you have ID? No, I don't have ID. Okay, do, do you have anything I can see that you're the person I'm supposed to be giving this girl to? Uh, no. They go, go ahead and give it anyhow. I mean, this is insane. How do you do that? Well, the government does everything wrong. I don't know of anything it does right. So, this is how it happens. Now, how many, how many young children now are missing? They can't be found. Even in those places that had addresses and phone numbers, they no longer exist. They put up phony addresses. But the kids, 88,000, minimally, are missing. There's a congressional hearing. Repeatedly, um, the person who's trying to get this information has been blocked. Blocked from getting that information. So we're seeing a massive amount, the most in American history of young girls and boys being brought into the United States by the cartels, and they get through our system, and then our own government at our own facilities then takes them right to where they're supposed to be picked up. And sometimes they're picked up in strange places, not a person's house, without proper ID, without proper background, that this is the real legitimate person. And no research and follow-up. There's no calls to follow up. Hey, how's that young girl doing? Nothing. That's what he is saying. And he's a whistleblower. Just want to share that with you. More to come on all these issues. But right now, I decided to start the new year with my best special I've done in over a year. Listen carefully, because this is one that you're going to want, because you're going to use this. First of all, my book, No More Diabetes. It's $25. You're going to get that. Everything about diabetes and the protocols to help you. Everyone knows someone with diabetes, so give it as a gift if you don't have diabetes. Reversing heart disease and stroke naturally. This is a long series of videos with the best alternative approaches to lowering your blood pressure, cholesterol levels, triglycerides, reactive homos, uh, and homocysteine, and uh, how to have a healthy heart. And if you're recovering from a stroke, how to do so, and if you want to prevent a stroke, how to do so. Another award-winning documentary. Then preventing and reversing diabetes naturally. This is a three DVD set over three hours long. The best experts in America on diabetes. So you're getting all this quality information on disease. But then, for this time of year, immune stuff. And fruit and veggie stuff. All this you're getting in this uh, program. And uh, it would normally uh, cost you uh your price is only $125, you're saving $214.87, that's over 60% discount. And just think of it this way, all of science shows we need fruits and vegetables, but all the products out there, no matter how many times you see it in an advertisement, like three vegetable products, three fruit product capsules, those are good, I have no problem with that, my problem is when you say that it's a serving because we did laboratory analysis, it's not, and all these other ones. I want people to get the actual servings, so I have what I consider the best product for that, and the only product I'm aware of that gives you three servings of fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Now, I'm not sharing the science of how I did that. That's my own imagination and my own inventing this, but you're getting three full servings of fruits and vegetables in every serving. So if you have a serving in the morning and a serving in the evening, you've exceeded the USDA's requirements for fruit and vegetables per day. You're getting six servings. Their high end is uh, 5.5 servings. You're getting six. And how much is the average American getting? They're lucky to get one. But you're getting mangoes, and black currants, and cantaloupe, and watermelon, papaya, and plums, and green peas, and zucchini, and tomatoes, and watercress, and squash, and uh, blackberries, and pea fiber, etc. And you're getting what no one else out there can give you. Give it up in the morning. And by the way, I do this in spite of my red stuff and green stuff, because those are for different reasons. But I want those six servings of fruits and vegetables a day, irrespective of what I eat, and those go in my blender. Right behind that goes one scoop of immune stuff. Because who doesn't want something to help their immunity? And there's no one out there that's created this formula. Listen to what you're getting. In each scoop, you're getting astragalus, ascorbic acid, orange juice, acerola, lysine, uh you're getting turmeric, green tea, olive leaf extract, echinacea, uh, porpea, Extract, mushroom blend. I've got five different mushrooms in here, including maitake, and rishi and uh, the uh, senescence, um, the organic turkey and organic uh, shiitake, and lion's mane, all organic, uh, shuling organic. Plus, you're getting uh, chaga, you're getting all those, plus quercetin, uh, you're getting grape seed extract, rutin, uh, you're getting a bacillus, which is a high quality. Uh, probiotic, zinc, piperine, and selenium. Wow. Nothing out there like this. Nothing. That's your immune stuff. So who doesn't want the strongest, healthiest immune response? Who doesn't want to get all their fruits and vegetables? And who doesn't want to have the information that you can share with friends from the world's leading experts on diabetes and on heart disease and on stroke? All that for only, only $125. $125. Saving, remember, here's what you're saving. You're saving $214.87. That's over 60%. How do you get it? Call this number. Everyone should have this. 877-627-5065. 877-627-5065. Or call Neil in the Vitamin Closet or visit him Monday through Saturday, noon to 8. Call him at 646 646- or you can order it right online. That's it for today, and Jeremiah coming right at you right now. Stay tuned.